Welcome to Mental Millennials with your host, Shelby Friesen. So today I can say welcome back because <laughs> you're here again. And we're going to do a follow-up episode from the previous kind of answering questions that people had from reaching out. And yeah, that's literally it. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a list here. We'll just go through the list. Um, We're not like naming who asked these things. It's just a list of what we, ones we thought were important to touch on. So we'll work our way through it. The first is why doctors don't help. So you can kind of touch on that. There's also the philosophy of healing. So if you want to like bring those What was the question, the actual question though? Like above it? Oh, that's the question. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any suggestions as to what business or practice someone should go to? Yeah, okay. So basically asking about the healing process and specifically who to find to help you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's pretty broad still. But. Yeah, so in order to address that question, I I personally... We're more so giving an answer of the why you would... I feel like an answer of why you would go to a, a holistic person over just going to a doctor. Yeah, so first it's important to understand like my or like our philosophy mm-hmm. on healing, which would be... And I'll talk from my perspective mm-hmm. and you can obviously pipe in. <laughs> I'll fucking pipe you, buddy. <laughs> Um, but uh yeah so people generally like if you go to a doctor a doctor's more or less trained with your physical body but you're not just a physical body your physical body your emotions your mentality and your energy you know in in recent years there's been a lot of advancements in being able to measure that energy and i believe that's what a lot of ancient cultures and you know very modern day people call your spirit And so there's those four different parts. So my philosophy is you kind of have to hit all of them from one, like at once or all of them, like at least address all of them in some way, because if you don't hit it at all angles, what I think happens is, for example, I don't know, say you address your emotions, but you don't address your physical body. So you're still eating like shit. You're not exercising, you know, spiritually, you're not aligned. You still have a bad mentality. Like you're still thinking negative thoughts every day. All you've done is address your emotions at that time. But all those other things that are still haven't been addressed are going to fuck your emotions back up really fast. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of adopt a new lifestyle that's going to integrate the healing of all of those things to maintain balance. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you'll continue to fall into a pit in one form or another. And I also feel like a lot of practitioners, even in the holistic realm, they tend to believe that what they do is like the best, the best thing. So like you go to one person like, yeah, you just got to do this. This is it. I'm like, you sort of fall into that, but that's one thing that if I were to have to do it again, I feel like I wouldn't have to spend so much money because I would go in and do these things and think that that's the next answer. And then, jump off and try something else. But like, for instance, I've done a lot of breath work and some of the practitioners have said like, you know, breathing is like, I forget what saying they say. Like you gotta, you can go, oh, you can go like however many days without food, however many days without water, but you can only go like, what, two minutes without breath or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I get that. But like, if I'm going to sit here and just breathe and eat McDonald's all day, like, how does that really work? <laughs> so I think you do need to integrate everything. And like a big point is to definitely hit it from all angles. Yeah. One thing, if I would have to say one thing that I think is 
not the best, but one thing that is pretty holistic in and of itself is diet. Mm-hmm. You know, eating a whole food diet, you get to touch your food, you get to cook your food, you start to be more present in the moment and mindful. Like it brings about more things and just about what you're eating, but mm-hmm. also like more appreciation for where everything's coming from. And that starts to foster that lifestyle. Yeah. And a lot of people ask, well, everybody thinks that I'm vegan or you're vegan. And I don't really, I don't classify myself as vegan. It, I would classify as a whole food, mainly plant-based diet. And people don't really know what that is. I don't think a lot of times, because uh, you know, v- v- statistically, vegans aren't actually much healthier than anybody eating a standard American diet, mm-hmm. because there's so many chemical replacements, and people want to eat like the vegan sausages and burgers and all that crap. Um, and it's no better for you than eating the real piece of meat. As like a whole food plant based diet, you're really just eating, like you're just shopping in the vet in this veggie section, like real food stuff without a label. Like it's pretty simple and single ingredient. Yeah. It seems like it's hard and like, how would I make meals out of this? But it's super basic. Like you don't have to make crazy meals. I think that's just something that's like being played out a little bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. To go down the specific list of healers that I would recommend or that, um, have worked for me, I'm not against modern science in any way. Like I'm not against going to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Sure, go see your doctor, but if he's just gonna, you know, fuck you up with a bunch of pills or something, the philosophy is try everything. Mm-hmm. Like go to a whole bunch of different types of healers. Don't just go to the doctor because then you're gonna yeah. come home and you're gonna think, I tried, I'm fucked, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. But it that that's you haven't done enough. You need to try like it, when I was at super fucked up, I tried 12 different types of healers. And that's not to mention, I went to like between three to like eight or nine sessions of each one. Mm-hmm. And that's just within the first, like, I don't know, four to six weeks, really. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I addressed it very quickly and all at once because it was kind of severe. But um, yeah, so I, I would say, you know, you can go to your family doctor. I'm not against any of that stuff. Um, and then the other important factor was to go in to try to learn about yourself. When you're going in to see any t- type of practitioner, you're not like you go get surgery, they're stitching you up, but the cells in your bodies, in your body is, are the things actually doing the healing. If you go to a therapist, they're going to help you explore your emotions and, and your mentality, but it's your emotions and your mentality. So you then need to go home and do the work. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, I guess we'll start with a therapist. So a psychotherapist was one of the one of the healers that has worked really well for me. And it's important to go in there and know that like, you know, you're paying the money to be there. You're there to soak up the knowledge that they have and how they can help you learn. So I found it helpful when you're looking for one to do that, you know, address that with them and say, look, I'm here to learn about myself. Is there something tangible that you can let, like, let me bring home, like some time, type of exercise or something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first few sessions will probably just be like getting your life story out to them anyway. But mm-hmm. after that, so yeah, psychotherapist, diet and lifestyle is huge. So general mm-hmm. diet and lifestyle stuff. I think a good way to start even on the diet and lifestyle stuff would be a naturopath. 
doctor yeah. because they'll kind of, you know, they might help you out. They might do some tasks, figure out things that you didn't know from, mm-hmm. from those tasks. Personally, I believe in a whole food plant-based diet. You know, we'll link some of that stuff. Shelby and I work with Nicolette Riche out of Whistler, BC, Canada, and we'll link that in the post. And she has a great book on all that stuff. And we'll also link some, some other books to explore that. Yeah. And then other things in lifestyle would be a lot of reading and like, you don't always have to see someone like if you're in a bad place, yeah, go see, go see people, but also things like just reading books, becoming more interested in it. Um, just reaching out for, little things like little Googles and, and, and books and stuff can help with meditations and with daily routines and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I found it nice to use guided stuff too at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I have the Deepak Chopra app, I think it is. And I had that, I've had that for years. I've never, I used it a lot like earlier because he would talk and it's like comforting to have that instead of just kind of it might be hard at the beginning to sit there and try and do it alone, but some of the guided stuff is nice if it's like your first time. Yeah, absolutely. So, and there's tons of stuff out there. And um, yeah, a couple of people reached out and said that they have been doing that, just a lot of like self-administered stuff, which is great. If you're mm-hmm. already doing that, then you're in a very self-aware position. Mm-hmm. So that's that's amazing. But yeah, just like keep putting in the work and yeah. keep doing it. And then don't stop. Don't stop there just with the self-administered stuff. Keep going and one thing to do things yourself but it's also one thing to go find healers or mentors in Mm -hmm. in that area that can help you grow further and just be yeah fine be happier also beyond the um just like seeing practitioners one-on-one i think doing some of the group stuff is helpful too you know if you want to go to like 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 the breathwork people you can go one-on-one or they hold circles where you can go on a friday night and there's 20 people or you can go on some retreats i've been on a couple of men retreat men's retreats and you tend to meet a lot of people who are going through the same things being through similar things and it's sometimes nice to connect with them on the same level right everyone's kind of like i don't know it's usually nice and it's comforting and you get to hear other people's stories and it's usually inspiring for you too to see all the people that are come out and yeah, I find that helpful. Make friends kind of like that might have the same values as well as you. Yeah, that's that's actually some of the biggest value I've gotten out of mm-hmm. and you're like many practices. And you're like fully immersed, right? You go out there like you have you have nothing else to do. Like you've paid, you go, like you just it's just you and you gotta figure out your shit for three, four days, however long the retreat is. And I usually get a lot out of those as opposed to just and it's different. You get different stuff out of those than you do a one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. So also something to note maybe for people is if you mm-hmm. are going in and trying something like breath work or like anything that could be offered in a group is maybe try both. Maybe try the yeah. group setting and the single options. Yeah, I do. I, I would suggest that too. Because I know a lot of people who do like a lot of the single stuff, it'll just do the retreats. But like, I really, I like to do both. You definitely get d- different things out of each. Um, and sometimes that stuff can be hard to find as well, which is something I never really thought about. Like those aren't just like, I don't know, the retreats and stuff aren't really blasted out that publicly. Like sometimes it's hard to figure out where those might be or local to you or whatever. So I'll try to kind of keep up on that stuff and post them when they come up for people. Yeah, at least um, in the Vancouver area. Now I guess a little bit of Bali if people are could, yeah. could get there financially and whatnot. Yeah. We can post links and stuff about that and direct connections. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, other things that I would that have helped me that I think are huge. So yeah, psychotherapist kind of for the the mental and emotional stuff. Uh, for physical, you know, look at look into some dietary stuff, specifically whole food, plant based. Uh, other lifestyle stuff, I would say exercise is pretty obvious, you know, yeah. wh- whether it's yoga or going for a run for five minutes a day or stretching in the morning, just like mm-hmm. get out there and move your body, get your body moving for start with, I don't know, even if you want to start with half an hour a day, just the five days a week, just like do something. Yeah. And you can cut, I feel like you'll be able to tell a little bit with what you need, depending what's going on with you. Like mm-hmm. for me at the beginning, I just ran a lot because I felt like that's the only thing that could like overcome like the stress and anxiety that I was having. It was like, if I were to sit there and do yoga, I was just going insane. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the running was enough to like overcome that feeling. It's insane. like you're breathing through it. Yeah. It would like overcome that feeling inside of me. Whereas like now I really enjoy doing yoga and other more calming things. So just feel different things out. You, again, you just got to try and see what feels good for you. Yeah, that kind of covers physical, mental, a bit of emotional. On the mental and emotional stuff, I also think a daily practice is huge for me at least. So integrating, it can be the tiniest thing, the Mm -hmm. tiniest, tiniest thing. So some people might feel like they can't get into the habit of doing something like they'll book, uh, I don't know, they'll book a meditation or yoga or, or something session twice a week. And what is that? That's like, you know, I, I don't know. That's basically what that would equal to is like 20 minutes a day because you're going for like an hour and a half or whatever, twice mm-hmm. a week. So yeah. instead of doing that and finding it harder to get to that because it feels like this big, you know, hour Dang, and yeah. a half thing that you have to go go somewhere and do, I think it's even more impactful just to try, try 20 minutes. You mm-hmm. know, wake up, think of three things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And then... Do yoga for three minutes, which is, you know, basically (laughs) it's a stretch. Just get up and stretch, you know, and if you think about it in terms of like three things, like just take one minute to think of three things that you're grateful for. Take three minutes to stretch your body and move around, you know, maybe do a three minute little meditation on Mm -hmm. positivity or something. And maybe we'll do an episode on some of the meditations um, that I use and then do like just five to 10 minutes of reading a book that you think is healthy for you and learn a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like that could be the most simple morning routine. That's, you know, 15 to 20 minutes and you deserve 15 to 20 minutes out of your day. If you can't, you know, you as a human fucking being deserve that and to give that to yourself. So that's, that's huge. I think the daily routine and practice that that's doing the self work. Mm -hmm. If you don't come home from these healers that you're paying for, it's worthless if you don't come home and actually do the work and put that like integrate it yeah i think and i think doing it daily is big it's really hard to do at first you notice it a lot like if you do it daily and then you take two days off you're like holy shit Mm -hmm. i need to get back and do that and yeah i think as hard as it is like but just start small and just make that a habit and then you can start kind of growing and either you know doing more or trying different things or whatever it is yeah like i used to i used, i started with doing 3 minute meditations 3 times a day and then i upped it to 5 and then 10 and then 15 but three you disperse that 3 times a day it's not easy or sorry it is easy mm-hmm. it becomes much easier now i can sit for 2 hours sometimes and just mm-hmm. do it and then lastly is the energy and spiritual stuff that's you know for some people that's maybe out of comfort zone or something Mm -hmm. that they don't believe in. So Shelby, maybe I'll let you talk about your experience with the energy stuff for people who may not believe in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, like growing up and stuff, I never really gave a shit about that stuff or just, you know, you kind of blow it off and it's whatever, I guess weirdos and shit do that, you think? (laughs) Um, So 
when I started seeing a naturopath, that was the first kind of like holistic turn I took uh, from a doctor. And I just kept going in there and I was so like lost and messed up. And he's like, man, you just need to see my mom. I'm like, okay. So she's an energy reader, all this stuff. And I, and I didn't believe in it. I was really skeptical about it. But when I went, it was like the stuff that you just can't not believe it. She tells you, you're not going to, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. You lay on her bed. She will just touch your ankles. Or on your, her bed, specifically. Yeah, it sounded like, pretty creepy. Uh, on the bed. <laughs> touch uh, your ankles. Holy shit. <laughs> so, she... I lay on the bed. The, the, and, yeah, so she'll just, like, put her hand on your ankle or your knees or, like, kind of just your joints and feel, write things down. And I was a little bit like, not, I don't know, I was a little bit weirded out and uncomfortable because I just wasn't sure what to expect. Like, what the hell is she going to tell me? And the stuff that she said, it's just like she's explaining to you how you're feeling, stuff that you don't even know really how to comprehend. And then things that, like, there was, there was things in there that I've never even talked to people before about my family and, like, my dad and things like that that... I was just like, holy shit. Like I could, I was crying. I couldn't really believe the stuff she was saying, but it's all, it's all true. Like it's all stuff that you already know. Like there's nothing you can't, I don't know. There's no way you can't not believe it pretty much. So I think it was good though for that as like another opener for me. Once you experience something like that, then you can go, it just helps you with all the other things. Once you, then you believe. And then you can go and try other things and it makes you be like, it just opens a new door, really. So I think that was really big for me is if you are unsure of that stuff, there's certain practitioners like an energy reader that might be better to start with because then you you go in there and they give you that like, it's just validating, really. I think, I think that's important. It, it just goes back to like the try everything rule. Mm-hmm. Like even if you aren't sure about it or don't know, like... Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people saying that they don't know. It's not about knowing. You don't have to know. Yeah. You just have to try and try everything. Mm-hmm. And then you'll figure out what works for you and mm-hmm. you'll grow and you'll f- believe in all sorts of new shit that you never knew it was even existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the knowing thing was really big for me too. I, I, I spent a lot of time like what the, trying to just know what was going on and... I think that's another thing that just comes from the Western medical system. Like you think that you're supposed to just go into the doctor and they're just going to know, and then they're going to tell you and you're going to know. And I think it's a lot more than that. And the the more that I started seeing people, the more you realize how much of like a whole approach it is from your body and not like your, your whole self, your whole life, like all of that comes into play and you start to realize you got a lot more shit going on than you ever thought you did. Yeah. And even for those who are more comfortable with just specific Western medicine Mm -hmm. and doctors and very, very traditional stuff is you, even with that, that's the same thing. You also have to try plenty of times. Like, you know, I've read and been like on the edge of so many stories where people will go in and they'll get one diagnosis from one doctor Mm -hmm. and then they'll go to like eight different ones and each one will give them a different diagnosis and sometimes so drastically different that what is 
what they're trying to get you to do, whether it's a drug or, or whatever type of healing they're trying to recommend, could possibly kill you. Yeah. Like, and be super damaging. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is so important to go to so many different people. And there's plenty of stories, yeah, where like the first doctor will just diagnose you, freak you out, thinks you're dying or something. And then by the time you get to the eighth one, and each time you're kind of getting one that's a little bit more specialized in Mm -hmm. the area that's starting to become a common theme that people think it is you'll get to the last one and they'll just be like oh no you're fucking fine yeah i think i think the that way with the doctors too kind of starts to open you up to new to being open to new things as well because you start to realize that they don't have the exact answer and they actually don't know (laughs) and yeah and that's what i mean by like yeah go in expecting to learn about Mm -hmm. yourself and treat it that way and know that I don't know. Think of I think of a doctor as like one chapter in a book. Mm-hmm. You're not reading the whole fucking thing until you you know get eight more opinions. Yeah. So, so energy readers hard to find, really hard to find. Will will you know possibly could connect people if they reach out personally. Mm-hmm. Um, craniosacral, which is kind of an energy healing, same thing happened with that uh, with myself and with Emma. I believe in it and I was going and I've had crazy experiences with that. And Emma also, who is kind of new to it, she came in and, and, you know, she, she may not have understood what was, Mm -hmm. what exactly happened, but just felt amazing Mm -hmm. after. Um, so yeah, craniosacral has been big hypnotherapy. Again, I don't know if hypnotherapy would be something you do regularly, but that helped me Mm -hmm. recover some repressed memories. And I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good thing to try. I was thinking about going in for fascia, therapy oh yeah myo myofascia yeah, or something. yeah. it's um, like a it's like a really deep tissue massage massage yeah 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 i'd like to do that as well yeah so um and then yeah like meditation classes and yeah so that's kind of all the things and i've used some other ones too but that's those are all the things that i would recommend just and the biggest recommendations is really just thinking about the philosophy of healing and just trying everything in kind of a condensed period like try mm-hmm. to go to I don't know, minimum, I would say one type of practitioner like per week, if you're or like every second week or something, can, yeah. if you can. And then also breath work uh, too was huge for me. And I also feel like to test them a lot of times too, some of the group things are nice. Like even... Because they're cheaper too. Yeah, Dylan just sent me a, I've wanted to do it for a while, like a sound bath, like sound mm-hmm. healing one. Um, and there's one in Fort Langley next Friday, 35 bucks, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And you sit and you get to do it. Whereas like if you were to go and do a one-on-one for that, it would cost you way more money and it gives you a really good idea of what it might be like or if you like it. Yeah. And like another example of that is craniosacral. I didn't really know what it was. I just kind of, I asked another healer about it or, or I know I just, honestly, I just asked another healer about like, what are things that I, other things I could try? Mm-hmm. And one of them just mentioned, I've tried this and had a good experience. So mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing is just asking people, asking, you know, healers you're already seeing. And then before even booking an appointment, I went to a free intro talk. Yeah. Totally free. There's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. It was like two hours long. I got to understand exactly what it was. And they did a reading right there in front of us. And if you wanted to have one there, you could do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they gave a, a, did a meditation with everybody. So yeah, lots of value out of it. You could have got a free reading, that kind of thing. So don't, don't just sit in your room and just think, oh, I can't afford anything. You know, get out there. There's tons of options that you can do that are very cheap, that cost equal to a fucking cup of coffee. And 
I always used to be really scared of going to these things because I'm like, fuck, I don't want to show up. It's going to be weird. And like, you know, I'm really not into it. But everybody's there for the same reason you are. Maybe, you know, you don't have the exact same problem, but everyone's there because they want they want to have a good experience. They're looking to try something. And like, I've never had a bad experience going to one of these uh, public events or workshops or whatever you call it. Me neither. And I've been scared almost every time. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> every time. And it's like, even though like you walk in and the people might, I mean, for us, I feel like we're always probably the youngest people at, mm-hmm. at them. Quite often it's older people, but that even makes them more curious to know about you and want to ask. And they're like, oh, like, what are you doing here? And like, they're always happy that you're showing up and you're young and you're taking control of your life. And yeah, I've always had a really good experience. So I think... Even asking questions too, you know, Mm -hmm. it's funny because as adults, it seems that a lot of us are more scared to ask questions now than we were when we were five, Yeah, Um, which is when they start teaching you all the rules, like common stuff. It's like, if you have a question in the room, it's likely, and you're not asking it, it's likely everyone else is doing the same thing. Yeah. So like, just ask. Yeah. No, for sure. Okay. So this will be more just about your stuff, I think. So how did, how did you discover that you had it? The... How did I discover that I had it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for somebody to want, if you really want the full answer to that, then obviously listen to the last episode <laughs> yeah. of this. But, uh, yeah, basically it pretty much, I guess, lived in me for about 20 years. Yeah, like I knew something was wrong for many of those years, but I didn't know what it was. So the specific moment of figuring out what it was was through just seeing multiple practitioners like we just talked about. So I started with any kind of therapist or counselor I could get to because I just thought I was fucked. And then, you know, I, I took me probably about five. And then I started seeing a common theme where people were like, oh, you know, that kind of sounds like dissociative disorder or complex PTSD. And after you get the same thing kind of recurring mm-hmm. like a couple times, then go for like I went and found some specialists. And then, uh, you know, I went into... I had three specialists and I just couldn't afford paying for all three and going through because you kind of have to go through multiple sessions in order to get your story out Mm -hmm. in order to get a diagnosis type thing um, or for them to like know. So, yeah, I dropped one and then stuck with two and then went to both. And then finally, both of them diagnosed me with both of those things. Mm -hmm. And that's that's yeah. And then how often does it happen? So I rigid, before I knew what it was, I thought it only happened like, I don't know, seven to 10 times mm-hmm. after I knew what it was and worked my way through my life and my experiences, phases of life and when it would happen, probably closer to about 30 times. Okay. So yeah. Um, how often? Totally depends on where I'm at. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm going through periods of high stress. Party- that would have been like a couple times a year, maybe. Yeah, a couple, couple, but maybe sometimes more, more so. More of it was condensed between the ages of thirteen and seventeen, eighteen, mm-hmm. around there. Uh, so yeah, probably twenty or more of the episodes would have been in there. So a few times a year mm-hmm. type thing. Um, but then after that, there's been you know, well, more than that, yeah, more than a few times a year. Um, and then there's been only a yeah. handful of episodes since. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of people realize that when you think that, you know, once you realize you're kind of feeling, so, you you always know you're kind of feeling something's off. And then once you start to dig into it, you'll think, you'll think back and be like, holy shit, this was like 
this was, caused this or yeah, this you're made like, me holy feel like this <laughs> yeah i've been feeling this for a long time and then you'll start to open up and remember more stuff yeah like for me it made sense like i was really quiet as a as a child um mm-hmm. like in public like really really shy to the degree that sometimes i just wouldn't even fucking talk at mm-hmm. all um and that's like a common common thing of some of the traumas that I've been through. Yeah. Another one was just like this unknown anger. I was fucking angry, like super angry. And I just like had no reason in the world to be angry. And that also is a very common thing of mm-hmm. some of the traumas. So can you tell when it's happening? I guess that's <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Um, when it happens, I experience basically you're, you're basically I black out and I experience like I explain like these slivers where it's like a, best explained as a flashback but you but when i come out of the blackout that i remember um i get like an impression so it's like i black out there's no memory or anything and then when i come to it's like it lays this blanket over me and i just get i soak in this impression and i just kind of have this knowing or feeling of what had happened during the blackout sometimes that includes visual and spatial awareness which is those pieces of slivers where it's just like a quick flash um so that's why i don't really know whether i should describe it as a flashback because the way i remember it is like watching a video like i know the order of of what of how it happened Mm -hmm. so it's not really like a random flashback because i can kind of put it on a timeline and it's almost like it's almost like i know what it felt like in that moment Mm -hmm. so but in the moment you don't know it's not till after but in the moment i don't know no it's, it's not like i'm sitting there in some moments in, I may have known, like like in really hardcore episodes, I completely black out. But in other episodes, like in some of the fights I've been in, it just kind of throws me in the back seat. And then there's like a like a little window and mm-hmm. I'm just like it's looking like I'm looking through it like this, like mm-hmm. like as if I'm 20 feet in the back of my head and I'm looking through a little TV screen of myself doing shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so in those moments, I'm sure I might have known, but it's yeah. not like you're thinking that. You know, not thinking about knowing it. <laughs> yeah, like if it happened now, I might know because I know what it is. But at the yeah. time, I didn't know that I even had a disorder or anything at all, like anything mental. Yeah, that's going true. On. I feel like if there's another one, then I would be, be a totally more conscious of experience. it. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah. or just hopefully there's not another one. Yeah, that would be <laughs> ideal. Um, yeah. Do you feel balanced day to day? Then can you still, like, if you're feeling balanced day to day, day to day, (laughs) holy, um, then can you still, like, do you still have episodes? Well, I guess that depends on the definition of feeling balanced, but generally, (laughs) no. Um, No, I'm, and like, this isn't the same for everybody with anything, including dissociative disorder, but also anything else, right? Um, For me, I'm lucky to have very specific triggers. Mm-hmm. So my triggers are high stress and physical confrontation. And then alcohol is a, like almost mainly alcohol. I mean, other substances might affect it, but I haven't had bad experiences with other substances, mm-hmm. but alcohol makes me more porous. Mm-hmm. So it makes these triggers and other things more likely to happen. And it makes it easier. Like if I got in 10 fights when I was sober, I might black out and freak out in two or three of them. But if I got in 10 fights when I was ass hammered, I might black out and I shouldn't say black out. I might actually like dissociate, have an episode and switch Mm -hmm. maybe seven out of 10. 
So yeah, it just it makes just it more likely it. to happen. Okay. Um, so it's not a trigger because it's not present all the time because it happens when without alcohol too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess like pretty much no okay. because my definition of balanced is to be more or less stress-free and to, yeah, generally mm-hmm. be balanced and um, grounded. So for me, like being in nature and feeling like nature frequencies and stuff is, uh, that makes me feel grounded. If I'm in a good spot, I'm not going to be stressed. If I'm in a good spot... Um, hopefully I'm not getting in fights Um, (laughs) and also like normally people, people tend to drink more if they are stressed. Mm -hmm. So like if I don't have any of those things and I'm feeling good, then yeah, it's just not really going to happen. And then when did you first realize you needed help? I think I kind of knew that I needed to dig around and figure some shit out many years ago when it would happen in my teens, but I just kind of didn't. So I guess I kind of knew then, and then when it started, and then I kind of thought I fixed it myself for a period of years after doing a lot of self work and taking a year off, and then it came back in a very bizarre way, which is the night I woke up freaking out mm-hmm. um, with that like connection to mom, yeah. which again you know listen to the last episode, and then after that is when I actually decided like maybe I'm strong enough to go. Uh, un- unveil all whatever is inside me mm-hmm. so I guess that is when I figured like okay maybe I didn't heal it maybe I should go get some help I guess yeah. that would be when I when I knew when I had already thought I healed it and then realized that oh shit it's still here <laughs> yeah I think uh and then I kind of also suppressed it for a year like uh, actually I'm gonna read here give me a second I'm gonna read this quote out of this book so this, this I think is actually relevant. Um, so this is out of the book, the Tibetan book of living and dying. And I just read this to Shelb. So this is a, uh, I'm just going to read it. The following poem speaks to us all. It's called autobiography in five chapters. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. (laughs) Three, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Five, I walk down another fucking street. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, like in that year after I had known that I needed help, mm-hmm. I guess I would have been in three. Yeah. Where I fall in maybe two. I fall in, I pretend I don't, I pretend I don't see it. I fall mm-hmm. in again. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden I it happened again yeah. obviously like two months ago or three months ago now and then you that know, would have been three because you had the immediate get out You're yeah like, and that would have been three yeah and then i had the immediate get out so and now moving on to just not yeah living that it, lifestyle that it's going to happen again yeah i think a lot of times that will happen i mean and from what i see really like everybody truly does go through those steps mm-hmm. um so i don't know I, yeah, I like that that's a really uh really valuable little poem there yeah <laughs> 
there's some things that this people like, shared with me that I'd like that aren't necessarily questions, but things that I think need to be addressed. Yeah, this one's kind of like, well, this is a share and a question. So the things going on in my head and overthinking things has made it really hard for me to form intimate relationships. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like how I my my thought process when I was experiencing that. Mm-hmm was, um, I don't know if I touched on this in the last episode about my, about like reading all the Gandhi books when I was younger. I don't think so. And the biggest takeaway out of reading all the Gandhi books was that Gandhi approached everything as a test. Mm -hmm. So he was raised a vegan or vegetarian, but, and everybody was eating meat and there was way stronger than him and all this shit. So then he wasn't like it was against his religion to even eat meat okay. but he went went against his religion just to test it just yeah. to try it because he knew that worst case he could come back and mm-hmm. continue eating the way he was and he did that with diets and he did that with everything in life is that yeah. you know you go out you try something if it doesn't work then and uh go back go back and, and try do something it. else so i i see things as a test so when it, it yeah it, it was I did kind of experience that with the, with the intimate stuff. And I think I always, I just kind of knew that I first needed to heal me. So I took, like, it took me many years just to work, have to have enough self work. So mm-hmm. I was balanced alone. And then after that, I treated dating and relationships in, in the same way. Like it was something to work on. Mm-hmm. So when I would date people, I would kind of see it as like, Okay, like, you know, worst case, I come back and I know I can be balanced by myself mm-hmm. when I'm alone. Yeah. So, and then I would just go into, go into them knowing that and just trying and just actively trying to work on it. And it, it took, you know, many years mm-hmm. of that before, before I could have a successful relationship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, th- I think the over, the overthinking thing, I mean, I don't have a successful relationship right now, so <laughs> I can't speak much to that, but the overthinking thing in my previous relationship was huge for me. And I wasn't even really aware of it at the time, but that's all I thought of. It's like, you know, your girlfriend would go out and I'd be like, I don't even know. I would just think up the craziest shit in my head. Like, okay, she's cheating on me. It's probably with three dudes right now, all this <laughs> shit. And I'm just like, and then it's funny because once I left, once that ended and you think like, I mean, not always the same scenario, but then you go and you're like, oh, there's so many people that are going to meet all these people and all this shit. And like, it just doesn't really happen. And then you might kind of realize like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing to think. And in the times, like, I don't really know why it happens or, and stuff. But again, it was just a lot of self work. Like I just wasn't okay on my own and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's all I've been doing since that relationship is just self work really. But I think the overthinking thing does make it hard because it stresses you out and it also affects your life because you're sitting there thinking all this shit when like you should be enjoying your time um, alone and not worrying about it, what your partner's doing and things like that as well. Yeah. And a lot of people don't even recognize they're in that space. No, they're just kind of like in their anxiety and freaking out, but they don't, they're not able to step back and see it Mm -hmm. uh, and be able to be like, you know, that's where the logic versus emotion comes in where logically you should know that it, you don't, you shouldn't be feeling Mm-hmm. the anxiety the relationship anxiety like or, or not shouldn't but you don't need to no like if you're okay with yourself you develop a philosophy around it and a logical way of thinking around it so that you can remove yourself from your emotion and not mm-hmm. have to suffer yeah yeah 
Okay, yeah, this one too. I feel like I want to open up about my experience with mental illness, but I feel like what I experienced isn't validating enough. Yeah, I think that one's really, really important to address. For one, it is. It is yeah. validating enough, whatever you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would encourage everybody to open up about it. So for me, after we did the last episode, I did a write-up and I posted a portion of that and, and everything mm -hmm. on social media, Instagram, Facebook. You know, a lot of family and friends didn't, most family and friends didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and, and I, you know, it, it was a little bit, you know, definitely a little bit nervous and um, got some anxiety from it and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But all in all, it was good and it was relief. It felt good to just like, it's like, boom, it's out there. Okay, now I can fucking move on and just be me and just, you know, people can ask me questions about it. I'm fucking okay with that and it's all good. So yeah, it was a good experience. But for feeling that, like even, even I felt emotions of embarrassment, shame, guilt. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like the same. And that came a little bit from feeling like is is are these things worthy of what mm -hmm. I experienced kind of thing but you got to be strong and just again the whole logic versus emotion thing know logically that you that that it is totally validating and it's an important thing to note is that people don't perceive things the same people don't perceive pain and suffering and trauma in the same ways mm -hmm. so it's not like we're all on one fucking ruler and you know I'm here and someone else is here and someone else is here. And because he's here, then we two aren't validated that does, we're not, we're not even on the same. That's not even a thing. Like yeah. we're not even on any kind of, you know, gauge or measurement system. Everybody experiences it very differently. In fact, people that maybe experience less could be feeling a lot worse mm -hmm. than someone who experiences something that is considered by other people to be more traumatizing. Yeah. And I think too, even if, even if you maybe, you know, maybe you've only realized you've had anxiety a couple of times or it's just starting to kick in or whatever you're, I'm just using that because that's what I know, but, um, it's almost better to speak up about it sooner. Like the longer you wait, the more you're just kind of putting everything off and like, Oh, I'll just see, maybe it'll go away or whatever might happen. And I think the sooner you speak up and get comfortable about it, the more like, you're just going to feel better faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And just, yeah, having that commitment mm -hmm. to it. And, and for the smaller things, I think it actually makes it, if you have been waiting for a while and you're thinking about talking about it, mm -hmm. I think those ones, it's, it's my, and this is just my opinion. So don't, don't, you know, I don't want anybody to take this to be their opinion, figure out your own opinion. Mm -hmm. But mine is that I felt a responsibility to share. Mm -hmm. I don't, I wasn't sharing for me and I, I, I made sure that I was okay with that and mm -hmm. meditated on that and was, was good with it, that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about ego. It wasn't about sympathies. It, it was about pushing it out there because I had a responsibility to do so in case someone else needed mm -hmm. help in case someone else was in my position. And also, so for those people, but also for the people who don't understand because mm -hmm. it's also our responsibility to educate those people who don't understand. Because if they don't, then they could go and possibly do or say or behave in a way that's very damaging to mm -hmm. someone else. So by not sharing, it's doing a disservice to others as well. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's my responsibility to do that. And I believe that that would help end a lot of the stigma that's going mm -hmm. on. So for people who are experiencing maybe something that's in society is might 
not be seen as something that is is enough to feel traumatized or feel you know depressed or anxiety or, or whatever it is that you're dealing with i think it's even more important to share those stories because it addresses the people who don't understand that mm-hmm. everyone perceives things in different ways so like for, for for a story where it's super severe everyone will be like oh yeah i get it it's you know and then we're for a story that's not maybe it may be like people just are just like oh whatever but it's like more so blow it off yeah but it's like that's those are the people you need to address Mm -hmm. because those people are causing damage yeah yeah and i think too when you speak about it or post about or whatever you do you'll be surprised how many people reach out or say that they're experiencing the same things or they want to talk about it um and that was huge for me i couldn't believe how many people were experiencing the same things or maybe yeah I, i just think it's super important and it's always going to be helpful for somebody. And even for the friends who don't understand, like when I was going through it and, you know, people are like, oh, dude, just come party and this and that. And then when you start posting about it and really getting into it and sharing those things, those people start to understand how you're feeling. And, you know, it, it just, it makes everything a lot better, really. Yeah. And then they can be there, be there better for you, but mm-hmm. also be there better for themselves. Yeah. And maybe in the future, if something hits them and, and for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had dozens, dozens of people reach out mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, that was, even if, even if it was only one, yeah. that would have been awesome, but yeah. it, it was a lot. And it's not like, like, I don't, I'm not super popular. I don't have a crazy following mm-hmm. or anything. Just fucking normal shit. Probably lo- less following than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And, and was able to share some of my experiences with other people, relate, resonate with them, um, share some of the things that I've learned and, and hear some of the things that they had. Uh, and also just talk about practitioners and people who have helped one another heal, mm-hmm. which is awesome to be able to do because sometimes it's really hard. And, and like we've been talking about, it's fucking expensive sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, hearing direct recommendations and experiences from other people is is huge, too, especially when we've spent mm-hmm. fucking $50,000 trying to yeah. find these people. So, yeah, it was good. We've both gotten this question a lot and it's well, it's not a question. It's a statement. So people will say that. You know, and this is well, you know, people are like, oh, I thought you had your life together and all this stuff. You seem like you've got it all sorted out. We were just going to touch on that. Yeah. So when I posted everything, I had multiple people say, wow, I didn't know you've been through so much shit or like, I wouldn't think that you specifically would have mm-hmm. like gone through this. And after I, after it happened a few times, I was like, okay, that's kind of like a pattern. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to those people and, and messaged them and said, just openly, like, why specifically me? Like, why specifically would you think that, like, I hadn't done that? Just, like, doing my research, pretty much. And yeah. Yeah, got got a lot of the responses were, you know, you you seem like a, you know, or you are and always have been, like, a happy, easygoing, and well-put-together guy. Like, you have a good head on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about, like, you know, we own businesses and all these other things. Well, yeah, so, I, I don't know just wanted to just want to talk about that and the like other people's perceptions and and knowing just like that anybody could go can go through it and that Mm -hmm. you know it's for me it was like a common thing is also that people think that people are good at hiding it and that's very true a lot Mm -hmm. of people I know that's probably the most true a lot of people I know are super good at hiding it and are suffering and just scared to share yeah for my story is not really like that because I didn't know that I had it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that any of these things were issues. Yeah, yeah. So like I was going through it and just like 
having a ball. Like yeah. I was still fucking loving life in high school when all these things were happening. In fact, it was probably the funnest time I've ever had. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was I mean, happy and easygoing and carefree. I feel like there'd be a little bit of a low after. It, it would happen, maybe. You know, you'd yeah. like, holy fuck, what happened? But then, like... For a few days. Yeah, you just kind of, like, get over it and keep rolling. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know, for for me, like, the whole carefree thing, I think going through shit, I took the perspective of, I've already seen a lot of shit, so everything else that people generally think is, str- is shitty, like, daily stressors, I don't know what that could be. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you got a test coming up if you're in high school, or you're driving to work and traffic's super shitty, or... I don't know, like some kind of like family event that is um, stressful mm-hmm. or like any kind of stress or, or bother or, or something in life that people kind of get emotional about and freak out about seemed like nothing to me. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, it almost made, I took the, I adopted the mindset of like, mm-hmm. what, like who, whatever, like I've, you know, I've been through worse. It hasn't fucking killed me. Like yeah. who, there's no, there's no point on worrying about those tiny things. Mm-hmm. So the traumas and all the things that I've been through actually helped me be that person who people were seeing. And another important one you wanted to talk about was uh, being able to laugh at things. Yeah. A big thing for us was humor. I think going through everything we've been through, you know, when crazy shit would happen, we would make jokes about it. (laughs) And like, that's just carried on. And it's always been something that's helped. Um, Cause we just, I mean, we wouldn't really stress about it. We'd make a joke and laugh it off. And instead of stressing and freaking out, it was just funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I remember so many times that that stuff happened and like, I would, I came, like, I came home one day and the doctor thought I had diabetes and I told Jamie and our friend Tim and they were like shitting their pants laughing. <laughs> I'm like devastated that I had, that I might have diabetes. Like, dude, we've literally been telling you that for fucking five years, man. And I'm like, uh, but like if I would have came home and they took it all seriously, then I'm sitting there stressing about it for a week. It's like, then I'm like, Hey, whatever. Fuck. I got diabetes. Like you just get over it and you move on. And, uh, like the time I took you to the hospital six times in one day. Yeah. That became a joke. Like literally the next day. Yeah. Everything. (laughs) Like we joked about it so fast. And like, I think, I don't know. We just didn't hold on to like, even after all this that long. Yeah. Even after all this shit happened, like Connor, my best friend and I be talking about shit and like the insanity joke started coming out right away, oh, like yeah. immediately, like literally a week after it happened. And this was like, I was still like pretty low, but it helps. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was funny and you just got to, you know, yeah, be okay with it, be good with it and laugh it off. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've pretty much done that with anything that's happened. Like even like when our grandma passed away, man, like <laughs> we've been telling dead, dead grandma. grandma jokes for like 15 years now. And it's funny because people in society, like even when you're, when you're saying we were laughing about you maybe getting diabetes, you know, there's so many people in society that would like freak out about that and be like, well, the- is that funny to you? Like, are you not taking this seriously and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why, like, why, like, who the fuck are they to say that? What yeah. have they been through to tell us whether it's right or wrong to laugh about something, including death? And yeah, and I think, well, I think the the, the one I noticed the most with, I mean, the dead grandma jokes come off pretty strong sometimes <laughs> on people, but it's also cancer. Yeah. Like when, I mean, I've... Grandma died from cancer, just so everybody oh, I, knows. I honestly <laughs> forgot that. I didn't, I didn't even link those two, but the past year, since I've been doing some trainings and workshops, a lot of it has been cancer-based. Um, it's just a big thing, like, and it just is so normal to me to talk about now. 
like you say cancer in public and everybody kind of like freaks out and get quiet, right? It's a morbid, people just see it as like a morbid. I think, yeah, I think, that, I mean, people pretty much see cancer as death, I, I would but say. But also, why do they perceive death as like something so dark? Yeah, I mean, that's just going to be their own. That's, you know, that's beliefs, Western society. Beliefs and stuff, but I think, um, yeah, just being able to joke about all that stuff has been super helpful for us. Yeah, I think on the note of laughing on it, laughing about it, and whether that's like a thing that's right or wrong, because even people listening to us might be struggling to understand why we're laughing about grandma dying. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like for me, I think one of the perceptions is like if you go to a healer, they're going to tell you that like your condition's super serious and shit. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to like, you, Shelby, you used an example earlier where, yeah, if you go home to your family and your family's like super serious mm-hmm. and then they're just like, oh my God. And then everyone in the family's stressing and freaking out. And then you're, you know, adopting those traits from your parents and then you're stressing and freaking out. It's just like a cycle. Every, yeah. And then everyone's biology and the entire house is fucked up and then yeah. your whole, all your systems shut down because you're so stressed out. Whereas like we come home. And we brush it off, we laugh about it, and that laughter and joy actually makes the biology in our body change change, and be more positive and better and open to healing. Mm-hmm. So that, and, and also for me, um, you know, just reading a lot. If you haven't read uh, the Tibetan book of Living and Dying, I think that that's an, important, um, that's an important read for everybody to give an Eastern. And I mean, well, it's a monk basically that came to... Um, to to Western society, mm-hmm. and this was based on a very, very old Tibetan book, and it's a, it's a more, it's a very modern version. Yeah. So it's, it's a good read. But even for me, spending time in monasteries, like I've, you know, spent time there and gone there and done meditations with them. I used to do that every week uh, with monks, and they laugh at that shit too. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a, that's like a sign, like a doctor and shit, you know, who has probably a fuckload of things that they need to heal in their body too. Like just cause yeah. they have a PhD doesn't mean that they're not fucked up as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, who probably haven't really dived into a lot of those things in life, yeah. uh, to become more self-aware like them saying something should be taken seriously yet from the other side, here's uh, a monk that's saying the dead opposite. Mm-hmm. So for me, I take my credibility from, from the side, from that side, obviously. Yeah. So Oh, I actually want to touch too on on this one. So, you know, thinking that had a, like I got a lot of the same responses when I first posted like years ago, saying like, "Man, I couldn't, I can't believe like you're going through those things as well." And I think people tend to think that if you're going through the that that you can't accomplish things in life. They think that it like ruins your whole life, and it doesn't. And for me, it almost made things like 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 business easier because the hardest thing in my life so far that I've had to overcome was my whole fucked up anxiety bullshit. So like if I could overcome that, everything else seemed easier. And mm-hmm. it's been better now. Like once I've fully kind of overcame it now, you know, doing those things are, are much easier. But in the time as well, it always was like a struggle to do that stuff. But as soon as I could like get up and get myself to work and get going, I was pretty much good to go. Mm-hmm. But after sometimes yeah because i mean you were pretty fucked up there for like a while yeah like and then like for like a year yeah but so i don't I mean a lot of it was before i mean i built and built you know did it before that before it got really bad but 
Oh, you mean during, like, yeah, during the time when you don't really know what you, you have you don't really and know you're just what you're experiencing doing. it and not really trying yeah. to heal, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that would have been, like... You're still experiencing it every day, but you're still doing whatever you want to do. Yeah, basically, like, what we just talked about, like, me in high school, where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I was had it, but that was still the funnest fucking time in my entire life. Yeah, exactly. Still fucking amazing. So, yeah, yeah I, another thing I just want to bring up, and it's not super relevant, but it's just the fact that... Yeah, like a bunch of shit happened and there's like traumatic stuff in my life. But dude, still lived like the fucking most amazing childhood ever and like teenagehood and now into our adulthood. Like still, Mm -hmm. still, still amazing. And you got to look back and be grateful for all the things that you have. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Sweet. Oh, Oh, well, I actually I did get other questions about dissociative disorder. And that are best described actually through art and imagery. Mm-hmm. So we're going to post some of those on the post with that. We'll have mm-hmm. this that, that you guys have clicked on to re- to listen to this episode. Yeah, I'll just put it like under underneath the player and everything. Yeah, so post. I'll just do a little write up about, you know, what it feels like in the moment of experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard and seen visual art that is from bipolar stuff as well mm-hmm. that has like some kind of similar aspects too. So, and, okay. and, and other things, even like depression and shit. Mm-hmm. So, and then I think we're also going to try and put together, like right now we're pretty local based listeners still. Um, so we might try and put together a list of practitioners that we've seen and that we think are good and put up, do up a section for that on the website so you can kind of go through and see the different people we've seen and be able to yeah so it's like them as direct well. and and also so, like yeah there's some people if you want an introduction to and then also we're going to do an episode talking oh, yeah. very specifically about each type of healer mm-hmm. and our experience with that type of healer just so you could i don't know maybe it would help some people maybe understand it more yeah. or also know what to expect and not be you know be more open to it mm-hmm. and yeah maybe just connect or resonate with any of it yeah and sometimes it is nicer to go to someone like that you know people have been seeing mm-hmm. uh, makes it a little bit more comfortable but yeah like even like a psychotherapist i've went through so many and spent thousands and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. save yourself some money yeah. i mean not not to say that mine's going to work for you but <laughs> yeah um just if you're going to try three maybe one of them should be one of the pre-vetted ones yeah yeah Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, that's it for today then. Good. Okay. Bye.